Hi, and thanks for listening to Just an Avocado White Woman. A little housekeeping before we get started on today's episode. I do want to talk about what's going on in Palestine right now, and I want to be clear. I very much back Palestinian people and free Palestine. I also want to be clear that until the events of October 7th happened, I was unaware of the occupation of Palestine by Israel. Again, in my first episode, I did talk about how I've been very ignorant in a lot of things throughout my life, and I am trying to change that. So while I would like to go more in depth about this topic, I understand that I do not understand everything. But I have done enough reading to understand that there is a genocide going on, and that I wholeheartedly back Palestine and condemn the U.S. and what they are doing with sending money to Israel. I also understand that there are innocents on both sides, and that that there is a vast and thorough history. I have reached out to a few people to see if they would be a guest on the show, and have not heard back. On this episode of Just an Avocado White Woman, we're going to talk about some of the costs that can come from advocacy. This was not the second episode I was planning, but I feel that it's important to address early on. Please understand, these are my experiences, and while I hope you are surrounded by those who are just as passionate as you, advocacy is hard. I found that as I become more informed about issues in the world and speaking up about them, that I've experienced pushback from those I least expected it, my friends and family. If I say I won't support a company anymore because I found out they're perpetuating harm on a community or supporting a genocide, as is a case right now in Palestine, they become silent. If I jump into a conversation on a post and point out the hypocrisy of what a person is saying and provide proof, I'm told I need to be more polite or just exit the conversation altogether, or I find my comments deleted. The truth isn't polite. The truth is sad. It's despondent. It's harrowing. And sometimes it's bloody. Just a few months ago, when Jason Aldean's music video came out for Try That in Small Town. I hadn't even heard the song because I mostly listen to podcasts these days, but I dug into the topic and I listened to people who were doing the research and I watched a lot of videos and read a lot of articles. The song is racist. It has dog whistles. And when I saw a cousin, who I think I met once, posting how it wasn't racist, I brought facts to his post. He, of course, dug his heels in, saying that my info was bullshit and sundown towns weren't a thing anymore. All of his white friends backed him, and after a few back and forths with him, where I explained how small towns are set up and how they treat people of color and shut them out, cops will ignore blatantly racist things done 
because the cop is friends with the person who did it, I decided it wasn't worth my time, and I just blocked him since he wasn't listening. To be clear, lynchings still happen today, but cops quickly dismiss them as suicides. They've been documented in California, Houston, Manhattan, and largely in Mississippi, all since the year 2000. This cousin wasn't the first family member I blocked, and I'm sure he won't be the last. I blocked other cousins and aunts and uncles, all who voted for Trump. I still talk to my one cousin who's part of that family, and I would say I'm not sure how she does it. However, anytime I try to bring it up, her response is, we just have different beliefs. My response to that is, I can't be friends with someone who doesn't regard my body as my own and is more concerned about money the government is promising them, even though the GOP has been notorious for leaving the working poor out in the cold. The topic is always promptly dropped after that. We're definitely not as close as we were a few years ago. It has also led to me voluntarily leaving myself out of functions. This past weekend, there was a family reunion. Most of the people I wouldn't have actually known there, but my mother invited me. With my job being work at home, I could have gone. I was contemplating going before what happened above. The reunion was very close to this cousin's home, and he would likely be there. And knowing my mother hadn't seen her family in a long time, I decided to bow out. There was no point in me going just to cause trouble. It would have been nice to spend more time with my mom, as she lives states away now, but she did stay with us the week beforehand. My mom and I have also gotten in disagreements. While we both agree that Trump is a piece of shit, she believes that America at one time was a great nation. I asked her when. When women couldn't vote. When slavery was a thing. When Jim Crow laws were in place. Eventually, we came to a stalemate as she said she saw America was great because it gave immigrants a chance to start over. Clearly, I disagree as those chances were not equal for all. It's clear I get my stubbornness from her as neither of us backed down. Recently, I saw a post from a friend. She's been a friend for about six years. It was a meme that stated, Some of y'all never had a second cop car pull up and it really shows with a laughing face emoji. Just a few years ago, I might have laughed at this, but instead I posted this response. This isn't really funny. White people on the start are laughing about it because they know it's just a traffic stop. But the fear that people of color have of this happening to them, and whether they'll still be alive at the end, is an everyday thing. To be clear, no people of color had commented on the post at all. All the commenters were white, and all were laughing how true this was, and most commented how they still managed to go home without an arrest, or even sometimes a ticket. The original poster, my friend, responded, Why the fuck you make my post a racist post? This is so out of left field. I don't need your negativity. After a few back and forth, it was clear that all she took out of it was she thought I called her a racist, which is how a lot of white people react when you point out something they said is unintentionally racist, even if they don't mean it to be. They react in anger because how dare you impugn their character or they break down in tears. This is a well-documented phenomenon called white woman tears. A good book to read about this is by Regina Sparks and, apologies if I don't pronounce this correctly, Soraya Rao, 
called White Women, Everything You Already Know About Your Own Racism and How to Do Better. It was extremely enlightening and not an easy read because it makes you look at how you have to work on yourself as well. To be clear, I know this person is a good person. I was just hoping to show her what she posts has impact. I'm sure many of you are thinking, why couldn't you have just messaged her privately? Why did you have to post it publicly? Well, aren't friends supposed to have conversation with their friends, even if they're hard? Why do we think that calling out people in private is better than public? Because it's more polite? Yet, what they said, or in this case posted, wasn't public, or at least to her friends. Very aware of the position I hold as a white person, and how that's viewed as I speak out, I'm told that it's, quote, not my place. But because of my position of privilege, that's exactly why it's my place. Because people of color have been speaking up, yet nothing has changed. The poor have been speaking up, yet nothing have changed. Our society is rooted in white patriarchy, white supremacy. So for me as a white person, not to take advantage of that and using my voice is just ignorant. I'm also aware that being more outspoken about things I believe in, calling out those in my life who are doing problematic things, I'm going to lose people and it's not going to be pretty. The friend I told you about before has now blocked me. This morning, her daughter contacted me to reiterate much of what her mother said. Conversation ended after showing me she was insulted by my mustache. Because why don't I shave that shit to look more presentable for a man? One, I don't give a fuck what I look like for a man. And two, that's some deeply rooted internalized misogyny. Now she's only 18, and it has been something she's learned through commercials of hair is bad and women must be presentable for men, I'm sure. Tried to ask her why it mattered to her, and she proceeded to insult my ability to get a man and then block me. Again, she's only 18, but clearly she would never see what I was trying to say either way. I hope that someday she learns to be better, that she doesn't have to make herself into what a man wants. And I want to be transparent. No one is above being called out by me, even my husband. He and I got into a fight a few months ago because I told him I was sick of the racist jokes he was making. Previously, over the years, I tried to tell him they weren't funny and his response was, I'm an equal opportunity bigot. And I would drop it because I didn't want it to become a thing. This time, I stood my ground, and we got into a huge fight. I didn't speak to him for two days. Now, he's reading the book above. For him, that's a huge step. For me not to speak to him was a ginormous step, because I'm not one to shut up. During this time, when I wasn't speaking to him, I contact another friend who was married to a black man and has a child with him. They're a great couple. While I was texting with her, she brought up reverse racism. I was extremely surprised, to say the least. I told her that isn't a thing. Racism is built on one group having power over the other, monetarily, physically, and with government. Can black people be prejudiced? Absolutely. And they have every right to be after the centuries of repression that have occurred and are still occurring, but they cannot be racist. At least here in America, and that is where I'm taking my experience from. She stated that it was just semantics. The literal meaning of semantics is the meaning of a word, phrase, sentence, or text. So yes, it is semantics, and that's the point. I follow a TikToker with the handle Crutches and Spice, who studies linguistics. 
sometimes trying to understand what she's saying as she's explaining a topic, and the words around it, and the subtle impacts of it are hard, but they're important. Because words are powerful. They have meaning. They have an impact. And changing one word can change how people view a topic. Like using the term killed, an action voice, versus death, a passive voice. She used this explanation after the October 8th bombings in Palestine as the mainstream media in the U.S. were portraying what had happened extremely different for Israelis versus Palestinians, for those of us paying attention. But for those in America just watching mainstream media and not doing the extra work, this subtle change of terms seems innocuous, as they already have set in their mind who is to blame. So by ignoring the conversations that we need to have with the people we consider our friends, or even by not speaking up when we see strangers doing or saying awful things to other people, whether they be racist, sexist, or homophobic, we're perpetuating the problems. Because silence is violence. But so many of these hard conversations that we need to talk about in our lives have become normalized in our society as taboo, or exist as catchphrases. When we're kids, we're told as girls, that boy hits you because he likes you. And this cements in our head when we grow up that this is love, and suddenly we're in an abusive relationship. When those same women try to get help, they're told by the greater society, just leave. It's your fault you're in this position. Or when they defend themselves when it finally gets to be too much, they end up getting locked up for murder. That topic will end up with its own episode. Boys listen to other boys say horrible things about girls in locker rooms, called the locker room talk. And then they turn into men, and I use this term lightly, and they still think of women the same exact way, like they're objects, not to be respected. When anybody tries to bring up that we need to address this, the response we're given is boys will be boys, like they're not taught how to treat women from their parents. When the general public speaks about rape, even with all of the women who have spoken out and told their stories about why they didn't speak out originally, because they were worried, they wouldn't be believed, or they would be victim-blamed, there's still stigma attached to it. People still try to default to, what was she wearing? Or she shouldn't have drunk that much? Or why was she out by herself? It's never, the man should have kept his hands to his fucking self. Or, no person has a right to touch another without their consent. And people always want unbreakable proof, as if being ridiculed by society is something that anybody wants to do. No woman gets anything by coming out and saying she's been raped other than trying to let others know they're not alone. And if she's lucky enough to have her rape kit actually processed, it's been reported that as many as 200,000 kids have gone untested to get him locked up. After being blocked by the most recent person yesterday, and expecting more people from that friend group to contact me as they're very close, I brought this topic up to my husband, about whether me speaking up was worth it, whether I was in the wrong. I brought up to him how sad I've been that so many in my friends list, I only have 204 friends, down from 207 yesterday, haven't said one word about Palestine. In fact, only two people have. Yet they posted about a celebrity dying. And I even made a post about that, stating how sickened I was. They would post about that, 
but not a genocide going on. Crickets. And he posed it to me like this. You are transforming. You're taking a stance for what you believe in. And that means you're on a precipice. You're either going to lose friends, or you're going to shut up and go with the flow. To be clear, I am not going to shut up. And advocating isn't just about speaking up. It includes many other things. I'm going to share words from another TikToker I follow with the handle focused on infinity. Their name is Logan Grendel. I'm not a doomer. I am a revolutionary optimist to my core. But that also means you got to start with the truth. And the truth is that just going out and feeling like you got to say something and like yell and shout about it and march about it, that is... I understand the reaction, but you aren't, you aren't doing anything. We're going to have to be uncomfortable. We're going to have to do things that are different than we have done them before. We're going to have to cancel subscriptions. We're going to have to stop buying things. We're going to have to start sharing things with our neighbors. We're going to have to start doing buy nothing. We're going to have to actually shut the machine down. They're not going to stop at Gaza. And there will probably be reactions from other countries to what they're doing in Gaza. And when that happens, all of the lights and the switches on our tremendous military machine are going to get flipped. And the Death Star is going to start firing. And we're the ones working the levers on it. We are the ones who are giving the energy to it so that it can fire and destroy the next thing. Like it or not, that's the truth. If you want to help the people of Gaza, or the people of Yemen, the people of the people here in prisons, people here at our borders, we have to actually do something different and figure out how to shut this down because they're not listening to us. They don't care about our votes. They don't care about our words. They don't care about our marches. They don't care. So if you do care, you need to find a different way to get involved. We all do. And I also want to be clear that I'm always learning. If I say something wrong, actually wrong, and someone can have a civil conversation with me. They can point me to facts instead of just saying I hurt their feelings, and their feelings may be hurt because I'm right. I will listen. When people want to ignore facts, say things are just jokes, brush it off as I didn't mean it that way, I'm not going to let that go. So if you are thinking of, or have already started on, this long road to advocacy, you find that your friends are silent, that they don't want to hear what you have to say, I would say don't be surprised. But that doesn't mean you have to stop speaking. Know that there are people out there who are speaking up, just like you. I won't stop speaking, and I hope you won't either. If you feel alone, feel free to email me or friend me on TikTok or Instagram and shoot me a message. For any of the things that I've mentioned in this episode, please see the episode notes for the links. Thank you, and see you on the next episode of Just an Avocado White Woman.